By embracing their natural strengths, women advisors are upending the status quo and challenging the financial industry with a more authentic approach to doing business. Welcome to the Femex Advisor Podcast, where we empower female financial advisors to fearlessly embrace their authentic selves. Adri Miller-Heckman, the founder of Femex Advisor, inspires and empowers women to leverage their natural strengths, creating more energy, passion, and success. Follow along for female-driven, inspirational, and motivational strategies for you to create the extraordinary life you have always wanted. Well, welcome to today's podcast. I'm Adri Miller-Heckman at FemexAdvisor.com. My guest today was fearless from birth, and then she entered the financial industry. As an advisor, everything changed. You know, when I started working with Kristen one year ago, she was hesitant to make any changes to her business. The whole process of prospecting was miserable. She felt overwhelmed and insecure in many ways. And this wasn't like her. She knew she had to make some changes, but what she didn't know was that she was going to be asked to take over her father's business, and all her fears rose to the top. Today, she's a totally different woman. She's turning clients away, very clear on what she wants, what she will do, and what she won't do. So I want to welcome my guest today, Kristen Higgins, a very successful financial advisor. Thanks for having me, Adri. Oh, yeah. We're going to have a nice conversation. So you came out of the womb fearless. Tell me about that. Probably surprised you to hear that from me. But I'm a typical firstborn, headstrong, independent. So usually when I know what I want, I go get it. I started college early. I finished college early. I volunteered in West Africa. After that, I moved to D.C. without a job. Ended up getting my master's degree. Just any milestone that I found I wanted, I would typically go for it. So you were very comfortable stepping out of your comfort zone. Yes. Africa. Okay. What spurred that on? I've always wanted to help people. Studied international affairs in French in college and wanted to go to a French-speaking country and volunteer, dig in, get to know the people and see what kind of career path that might lead me to. So I was in Togo, a small country in West Africa. I was in the capital, but no running water, no electricity, barely any cell service, no internet. I'm not sure if that's a good or bad thing. (laughs) (laughs) It was a great experience. And I came back from that feeling like I could do anything. So do you think that in your early years, every time you did something out of the box, it fueled your confidence to keep doing things because the experiences were so great. Absolutely. Yeah. doesn't mean I didn't fail or not get things that I wanted, but it was a mostly affirming process for me to step right. out of my comfort zone. So then you enter the financial services industry. What happened? <laughs> I've thought a lot about this. And any time that I stepped outside my comfort zone previously, it was for myself. It was purely selfish reasons, really. But when you work in this job, suddenly there are other people involved. And your whole goal is to serve them and to help make a difference. And that 
just brings a whole nother layer of pressure to be perfect or to do things very well because you don't want to make a mistake when other people are involved. Oh, that's really interesting. And yet a lot of the things you did, like going to Africa, was because you wanted to help other people. Mm -hmm. What was different between helping the people in Africa and helping your clients? Why was it so different? I mean, when someone engages you as an advisor, they're placing their trust in you. You're managing their assets. Very, very real consequences. It's not like I was worried that I would put someone in the wrong investment. It just means there's a lot more pressure involved in how you run your business and what you're doing for people. Now, your dad was in the business. Correct. And I've coached so many women that come into the business. In fact, yesterday, one of my clients, she's her husband is very successful. In fact, he's moving up the chain in the company. And or it's your father, or it's your husband, or it's your brother, right? It's very common. And I find that that is more challenging for the reasons you just said than just getting out there and building your own business. Would you agree? I would. I was fortunate enough to come into the business and actually start with a small book from someone else who was retiring very good friends of the family, very similar to my father. And it was just this beautiful, beautifully run business with lots of great clients. This person ran the business very old school, but took care of people, made a difference in their lives, has full integrity in the way that they conducted their business. So when you come into that position, you're just grateful to be there. And you see how it's worked. You have no vision of how you're going to run the business on your own. You're just emulating what's already worked well for someone that you greatly admire and respect. So I had no vision of doing it differently. You would call it the penguin approach. And I was good at the penguin approach. I learned it and that's all I knew. And so that, that definitely adds another layer when you go to break out on your own or do it yourself. I just wasn't at a place before where I was trying to step out on my own. I was just trying to run what was already existing. So why did you, so why, what prompted you, you know, you get into this business, you've got all the structures, there are systems, it's all, you know, and sometimes all, you know, hides the things that are not really working well because you don't have options. Mm-hmm. You don't know mm-hmm. any different, right? What changed? I had my daughter and then was pregnant again. I, I popped out two kids real quickly and COVID happened. So a lot's changed in the past couple of years. But my first weekend away from my daughter, I was on a plane to visit my sister and I sat down with a business, which was yours. And I picked it up because it was thin and it was focused on women. So I actually thought I could read it that weekend. And my whole goal was to attract ideal clients. I was just reading this book to try to grow the practice, right? As you typically do, which was an aha moment for me because the book went through very real examples on how to genuinely attract your ideal client. But suddenly I had a different vision. Yeah, I was looking for kind of a how-to and what I got was a vision on how to do things totally different. And instead of just 
prospecting, a total sea change in how you run your business would naturally grow your ideal client base. So this is fascinating, and I never knew this, but it's true. You know, I talk a lot to firms right now and about why they need to train their leadership team on how to work with women, because you know that old statistic that when a woman loses her husband through death or divorce, 70% will leave their advisor. Many Mm -hmm. years ago, the statistic was she will leave within three years. Now she leaves within one year. Mm -hmm. And why is that? Because women now have options. As women like you get in the business and start really appealing, building a practice that is attractive to women and meets their needs, they now know they have options. Mm -hmm. And it changes the whole landscape. It's almost like the women who are clients had to tolerate this is all they had. So they just had to grin and bear it. And now they're like, I don't have to do that anymore. And you start to look at what you were doing and it doesn't look so good. Yes. Now I realize that if I'm serving my existing clients better, deeper, differently, then not only will it make me happier and a better advisor, but that will naturally attract other people. And oh, by the way, now the industry is waking up to the fact that clients want different things. They have different expectations. They don't necessarily want old school. And I needed to hear that throughout the past year of this evolution through our coaching I'm a researcher by nature. I have to collect all this information. I'm like a squirrel. (laughs) Once I have all that information and I see how other people are doing it and I have a strong conviction behind it, then I can execute. But I needed to find some of that other research too outside of our coaching and some of the other advisors I've talked to, to read material outside of what I've only been spoon fed and realize This isn't just to help women or help my business. This is what clients in general are wanting. They're wanting a different approach. They are wanting a different approach, and it's not just the women. So for those that don't know, the book she's talking about is my book called Keys to the Ladies Room. And it really is the foundation of our coaching model, which is the Femex Advisor Coaching. The reason it's so significant and the reason it does take as long as it did for you, Kristen, is because it's a paradigm shift. It's not like you go to a conference, pick up a cool idea. Oh, this will be neat. You come back, share your team. Okay, this is a referral process. Let's add it to our business. Exactly. This is changing the business, changing your mindset, changing It is so deeply transformative that you just can't do it overnight. Correct. So actually, go ahead. Well, we went through this whole process in the beginning where we were trying to develop your story and your message and how you're communicating what you do to people. And I got mired down in that. We had to shift gears and start doing some of the actions first. I need to walk the walk before I talk the talk, right? So we started to implement the coffee club for women, which was once a month. We'd have a small, intimate, casual, informal setting for women to come together and explore 
financial topics. And once I started to do that, you it really shifted it. some things for me. You loved mm-hmm. it. You loved mm-hmm. it. You came back, you researched, you got these topics, your relationship with money, you just came to life. What else? Because shifted? I started to see how it could work. So much has shifted. <laughs> when I look back on everything that I've done the past year, when you're in the middle of it, it doesn't feel like a lot or you're not making progress fast enough. I'm a zero to 100 black, white, all or nothing kind of person. And it's really hard for me to accept incremental change, but I've made incremental changes. And I also had what I would call kind of a universe shift in terms of things that I couldn't control suddenly helping me out. So I'll explain that for a minute if I can. First of all, the things that I could control that I changed as a result of coaching and community and seeing other people enact their own vision, I gave myself permission to upgrade my office appearance the way I wanted to. I got rid of all the old 80s executive style furniture that I inherited, which was incredibly challenging to get rid of. And a little bit at a time, I just added the pieces I wanted. It's not like my office looks like it's out of a magazine, but I just gave myself permission over the course of a couple months to spend money and make it comfortable, warm, inviting, happy place for me to come to. I also hired a part-time administrator, which I hadn't really looked at doing before. But when I crunched the numbers, it was so easy for me to fit that into the budget. Uh, Brought that person on board. I also backed out of all of my extra commitments. I just had to with two little kids at home. I I backed out of a board I was on, another organization that I was running. I was doing some training at my firm for other advisors. I took a step back from that. And I even did little things. I outsourced meals. I love to cook. It's really hard for me to let someone else do that. But I actually signed up for one of those meal subscription (laughs) services. So I wasn't spending a couple hours on a weekend meal prepping for the week. Just a lot of little things. I just gave myself permission to make some of those changes. Those were all things that I could control. And so what couldn't you control? What I couldn't control was the market. (laughs) There's never a good time for the market to go down and you all of a sudden need to call everybody. But that happened. My kids were in a daycare. They were constantly sick. We went through a four-month period where every other week we were in the doctor's office. And then my daycare actually permanently closed unexpectedly. So I had to pivot and find a caretaker to come into the home, which ended up being a huge blessing because now we're healthy. (laughs) So that was a big shift that I really didn't have a hand in. And lastly, two things actually. There was another advisor that was hired in my area that I could finally partner with to transition some client relationships to. Prior, I didn't have that option. I'm in a rural area. And I'd been waiting for that opportunity, and it finally arrived. So I was able to make that transition. That was huge. And lastly, the last thing I'll mention, and I know this is maybe partly what I can control, but I had this moment in the business where a ton of business came in unexpectedly. I had some really good months, and that took the pressure off some of the performance. And I know I don't care about the numbers as much as maybe my firm does or other people who measure their success that way, but it's almost like I got a little breather. 
<laughs> have this little bubble of time period where I don't need to worry about my numbers right now. And I can take the time to implement some of these things more deeply. Mm-hmm. And how did that, I mean, today, today, you are turning clients away. Mm-hmm. How did that happen? You were so nervous about that. I'm still nervous about that. I still don't like that. This is all a work in progress. But again, it's a mental shift and I can't just talk the talk. So once I tell people that I'm focusing on more complex, in-depth situations, I may not be the advisor for them. I have to start doing that. And once you start doing that more, you realize you really have to start turning more people away. So it's a chicken and egg. But I couldn't just come out of the gate and start telling people that without actually doing it on a regular basis. So once you free yourself up to focus on that areas and you dig in, then you really can't talk to someone for 30 minutes who's just getting started with the Roth at age 55. You know, you just have to, you have to be very clear about where you do the most good, which is something you drilled into my head every single month. (laughs) Yeah. And though you have to be creative, right? In the old school, they told you, here's what you say. Here's what you say. And it didn't feel good, but it's all you had to go by. What we did here is we found a way that worked for you. And part of that was your evolution in recognizing All these things that happen lead us to the bigger decisions we make. All Mm -hmm. of those pressures, demands, childcare, the markets created a discomfort in you that pushed you to recognize, I have to make some changes. I cannot carry the bandwidth. Correct. Because I wasn't actually serving my clients the way I wanted to when all of those things were happening. And so now the conversation I can have is so much more genuine. Yes. And people appreciate when you share that. Hey, I want to do a good job for you. The reality of where I'm at with my family and everything else right now means I'm not doing a good enough job for you. That's not fair. So I also had to get my administrator on board to that. So we've had to go through, hey, the 45 minutes to an hour you just spent on X really isn't providing a better level of service to people. That's why we need to transition this person or say no so that you can do Y over here, which has been sitting on your desk all week. And Y is arguably more important. Right. And that hour and a half, it might be doing a service but how is it impacting their future? It's not. Anybody it's could not. do that work. So there are really two things I think that are important here. And I want to go back. Then your father decided to retire and you're taking on his book. Now, had you pick on a portion of it? Had you done that a year ago? How would it have been different? I don't know. I, I don't know if it would have been better or worse. It probably would have slowed this evolution down a little bit more. Yes, I think so. And you're launching our purpose-driven process, correct? Mm -hmm. That took a Mm -hmm. long time. And I still haven't made those calls yet. That's what's next on the docket. But I feel so much more confident having those conversations now 
because I have conviction around it and because I've started to have these conversations dropping nuggets here and there about how we're doing things different or what I want to focus on or how I can't work with everyone. And having gone through the trenches and had some of those really uncomfortable conversations, just like you said in my prior career, I feel more confident when you're on the other side of it. Once you've stepped outside your comfort zone and done that, then you feel energized. And you know, it's interesting. We started talking about if you're a, a daughter, a wife, a sister, and you've joined a family member's practice. It is so important as a woman to carve out your own space Mm -hmm. because they want you to succeed. There is no doubt that they want you to succeed, but they only know how to be a penguin and you're a peacock. Okay. And by staying within their world, their path, you're never truly achieving what you're capable of because you're not you. You're not authentically you. Right. And it doesn't mean their way's wrong. No, it's no. Just wrong for yours. you. Right. And so it's interesting because when I coach women like that, I tell them, do not share what we're doing until we have developed this and that you're in a meeting. And what happens is if they try to get the team on board as they're developing this more female-focused practice, they don't get them on board. But if they wait and then they're in a meeting and they say, yeah, I met a woman and she asked me this and I said this, all of a sudden, the men in the room are looking at you like, whoa, that was good. And they immediately realize that they can't do that. That Mm -hmm. that is like a different language to them. Mm -hmm. And so as women, our job, just as important, is to truly own our path. The more we keep falling into the penguin path and just doing it that way, instead of truly reaching inside us and figuring out who are we, We will never change this industry, never change Mm -hmm. this industry. And you said two things, performance and commitments. That is a very big factor with a lot of women advisors. Yes, we overextend ourselves. Overextend. Why? We want to help. It's hard to say no. Maybe deep down we think we do it better than the others. Okay. I mean, I'm in a local community club here, not very many women, mostly men, most of whom are retired. And they've asked me to be the president three times. And I've said, is there any way that the person who's president next maybe doesn't run their own business and have two little kids at home? There's a reason why they're approaching me, right? Because they think I'm organized. I actually show up and will do a decent job. And I'm not saying others wouldn't, but when you're asked three times, it's really hard to say no. And how do you? I just have this conviction now. If I can't do it 110%, if it's not my top priority, then it's not something I could commit to. Mm. doesn't mean I won't down the road. It just means right now, while I'm potty training and trying <laughs> to avoid getting juice on my white suit in the morning as I'm headed out the door, probably isn't the best time for me to run this. 
I love that. So would you say that your priorities have shifted and you're putting yourself higher? I think I've refined the priority list. And see, here's the thing too about community involvement. I like to be involved in the community. It does build your business and that's the Penguin model. Be a good networker, be involved, show up, and that will naturally generate business. And it has for me too. But now if I'm running the business differently and more naturally attracting referrals, I don't have to show up to that lunch meeting every week in order to generate business. And that was important. You know, if you think back when you start in this business and you really don't have many clients, you have all the time in the world to do those things. In fact, that's where you should be spending 80% of your time. What Mm -hmm. happens is as we build business, we keep trying to do what we did and it doesn't work. Okay. And then you come to a pivotal point, which is where you're at. Mm -hmm. And the behaviors and activities that got you to this point don't work anymore. Correct. Okay. I'm not saying don't network, but I am saying now you are more strategic about who you help. You are more clear and compelling in describing what you do and who you do it for. And that is powerful. That is so powerful. It is. And the other component of that is, yes, we want to say no to more things. We want to be more intentional and strategic, but you can't use that as an excuse to say no to things. I can't say no to everything. I'm going to focus on the business and do uh, something totally different to build it and then not do it. Right. You have to be ready to actually make the shift if that's what you're saying you're going to do. And you know, yes, I used to always remember because when I got in the business, I had three kids under 11 and their dad left and I was on my own. And I would sit across the table from a woman or a man that really didn't have that much money, or maybe he was an engineer and he was (laughs) asking me all these detailed questions. He wanted to research and to be quite frank, I didn't have time for that. I'm sitting there thinking, he's taking time away from my kids. I'm not adding Mm -hmm. value. Mm -hmm. And so that alone was a powerful filter in order to determine who should I be working with. And if I'm just picking the mutual funds for somebody, is that worth time away from my kids? No. And so I realized I needed to attract million-dollar clients who needed tremendous guidance, more strategic help. And they were worth my time and energy because I got charged up out of it. It fueled me. It made Mm -hmm. me more energized so that even when I went home, I was upbeat, I was excited, and I wasn't bogged down with menial work. We're just taught that if you work harder, smarter, more efficiently, then you can actually do it all. So it's hard to make that shift. We feel guilty for not helping everybody because, hey, we're in this to help everybody. And at the end of the day, we're also taught to not be that personal with clients. A year ago, I would have never admitted that all of the 
requests for my time and, and demands for my energy with my family would impact the business. That's almost, you feel like that might be a sign of weakness, right? To admit that you need to do things differently in order to do fewer things well. But in conversations I've had with people admitting that and being very personal and honest with them produced really nice conversations. Isn't that amazing? People get it. Yes. They get it. And that's where the whole concept behind the Femex Advisor program is instead of prospecting, selling, and closing, which quite frankly, those words just you know, make the hair on my arms stand up. It's about building relationships, inspiring people, and motivating. And a big Mm -hmm. part of that is really speaking your truth and being fully authentic, right? Trust is probably the biggest lacking characteristic in our world and our community. And Part of the way that we as women build trust is by sharing something about us, something a little vulnerable, sharing Mm -hmm. that we just don't have the bandwidth, we just don't have the energy, or your story, why you got into this. I think we could go on all day, Kristen, Mm -hmm. because this is fabulous. Let's wrap it up with. One thing that you, if you could recommend one thing to advisors out there, whether they're new or established or looking to go to the next level, what would it be? You have to find your tribe or your community, your crew, whether that's through coaching, whether that's through other advisors. I've reached out to people through Facebook I've listened to other podcasts and seen, you know, comments on them. You've got to find a small group of like-minded individuals that give you good gas, that energize you, and you can be honest with as you explore all these changes and what they mean for you. You can't do it alone. You can't do it alone. You can't do it alone. Kristen, you're a rock star and a great mom and a hell of a financial advisor. I still suffer from imposter syndrome, some Adri, but with your help, I'll get over it. We all do. That doesn't <laughs> go away completely. And if you think it does, well, you need coaching. <laughs> all right, Amen. folks, if you love this podcast, share it with everybody you know. And if you want to learn more about coaching, visit femexadvisor.com and book a strategy session. Thank you all. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Femex Advisor Podcast with Adri Miller-Heckman. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available and connect with Adri on LinkedIn. To learn more, visit Adri's website at femexadvisor.com. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Femex Advisor. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only.